the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Yesterday was kind of an interesting day. Oh, boy. I, I think I probably say that too much, right? But yesterday we had that whole Facebook announcement on cryptocurrency. Libra. And uh, kind of a parent company that a lot of companies are going to support called Calibra. Boy, Congress senators and representatives did not like that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about much, much more today. We'll talk about the markets. We'll talk about Elizabeth Warren. We'll talk about Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, We'll talk about how they affect Wall Street. Um, But I do really, really, really want to start with overall market conditions. Um, In large part, I think that's kind of what's driving the market in my head. Um, There's, I heard someone say it pretty smartly. There's three, do you know what boxing and uh, doing a trifecta is? When you make a bet on a horse race. And I don't like comparing Wall Street to a horse race. Um, I'm not a big fan of horse races. Too many horses die. I'm not a big fan of that. Oh, sorry about that, Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, but Wall Street kind of has a horse race mentality right now. It's been, you know, underperforming, outperforming, underperforming, outperforming. But for the year, it's had a pretty good year. The FOMC decision day here, that's one of the bets that we have. Will the Fed Reserve lower interest rates this time? or potentially in July. We have a bet on that. Win, place, or show, right? Will China and the U.S. figure out their issues um, and put a trade tariff to rest? Win, place, or show? If those two things happen, we're looking pretty good. But then we have another thing that we're starting to look at. Um, And the market's starting to try to factor in... um, how it's looking at earnings and corporate America, and will there be a recession or no recession? Win, place, or show. If we get three wins, no recession, tariffs go away, and the Federal Reserve cuts rates, market goes higher, maybe even a lot higher. And to me, a lot higher. A good year is 8 to 10%, so a great year is 15% to 20%. 20% is like good gravy. So today's Fed Open Market Committee Decision Day. It's Decision Day. It's not like the NBA, their decision day on the drafts and who's going to be a college recruit, who's not going to be a college recruit, who's coming in, who's not coming in. It's bankers getting together and robbling and saying, do you see inflation? Do you see inflation? No, I don't see inflation. Do you see inflation? Do we see, do we need, uh, how's jobs looking in your market? And the Fed open market committee is made up of multiple head bankers, one from San Francisco, one from St. Louis, one from Philadelphia, one from New York. You get the idea, right? There's different regions, and at different times, at different periods, different regions have votes. 
So we're going to see what we're going to do with the Fed fund rate. Recently, we've seen Europe say, you know what, we need, their bankers are like, we need to continue to stimulate. China's like, there's tariffs in the United States, we need to continue to stimulate. I know you're saying, is that your impression of the Chinese? There's tariffs in the United States. I'm not going to go cliche, so I'm going to go that direction. So will the Fed use words like patient, or will the Feds use things that are a little bit more directive and, and, and meaningful? Yesterday, we got news out of Washington that Trump wants to replace. No, no, he's not going to say replace. Demote Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, who he put in office and kicked out a perfectly functional Janet Yellen, who I always thought looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy, his mother. Um, but that's not very nice of me to say. But I've tried to paint pictures for you on radio, you know, theater of the mind. So today we get the Fed and what's going to happen there. And it's kind of interesting because the Fed is supposed to not do a lot during election years. Now, this isn't an election year. Next year is an election year. The Fed's not supposed to do a lot like in the last three months, four months before the election, or they've kind of had this unstated mandate not to do much. And a couple months ago, Trump says, you know, they need to cut interest rates or I'm going to fire this guy. And, uh, you know, Jerome Powell's like, well, I'm independent of, of uh, the president, you know, the Fed Reserve. And some people want the Fed Reserve to go away and let the markets determine interest rates, which is I'm kind of leaning more and more that direction. It takes the politics out of it, so to speak. But the S&P 500 has surged 6.3% since June 3rd. And if you take a quick look at the calendar, that's not that long ago. That's a huge move, right? Um, what is it? Seven, nine, 11 business days? If we can get 6.3% in every 11 business days, we'd all be billionaires by the end of the year. So it's not going to happen. So will the Fed signal a rate cuts coming, or do they just give us a rate cut now? They meant yesterday, and they kind of conclude today, and then they come out and talk to the markets later. A little bit of calmness out there. Market is banking on monetary policy support. Europe has already done their job and said, we're, you know, we're going to keep things, we're going to keep stimulating things as long as we can. Um, so now we watch the U.S. Then there's a Bank of America Merrill Lynch fund manager survey, which is the most bearish since the financial crisis. Now, a fund manager, he may see what happened in May, sell in May and go away. I was supposed to sell in May and go away. And then he may see what happened in June and like, wow, it bounced back. And this could be a dead cat bounce. Um, the problem with surveys, in my opinion, is are you optimistic or are you depressed? And you may be thinking about your neighbor. I've got a, a neighborhood friend who went through a bad divorce and she's leaving the state. I've got a neighborhood friend who lost his job. So I'm a little depressed. I'm fine, but I'm a little depressed. I, I think it's bad news out there because two of the people that I know are struggling, right? So the Fed decision is going to dominate the market narrative today. But in the short term, there's also kind of this uh, Merrill Lynch fund manager survey. And it's kind of a revelation when you look at it as a pain trade. If people are negative and the market goes higher, it's a pain trade. And I I think I talked about that yesterday with Patrick O'Hare uh, about the pain trade. And it's one of the reasons I don't go all in or I, I, I may go all in. I never go all out on a market. I keep some exposure. I may get a little bit more defensive or I may get a little bit more aggressive. Let's take a look at corporate news today. Q2 warning on the U.S. steel. They said softening demand, softening market demand. Now, U.S. steel makes what? You got it, steel. So what do we put in steel? Buildings. 
What else do we put steel in? Cars. So you get the big industrial equipment like John Deere tractors. So if they say demand softening, that means economic activity might be softening, or you could assume that it's softening. Then we get increased guidance from Southwest Airlines that was attributed uh, to solid demand. That's nice to hear. Southwest has a lot of 737s. <laughs> They're not all 737 maxes, but you got a lot of 737s. And a lot of people, Southwest said, hey, if you want to change your flight, we'll let you change your flight. But there's good demand there. Adobe posted better than expected results. I wish I liked Adobe more than I do. I don't understand it. It's a great company. It's a great stock. They really understood the cloud. They've done it perfectly. And it's just one that I've kind of missed. Boeing got more orders for their 777 freighters. Yesterday, they got orders for their 787 Dreamliner. So there's some pretty decent news out there. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can call the show at 800-516-1220. I'll probably talk a little bit more about that Mark Zuckerberg uh, cryptocurrency later in the show. Stick with me. I'm Rob Black. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. American Air has ordered 50 of Airbus's long-strange A321 aircraft. It's kind of a replacement for the airline's aging 757s. Uh, American Air Line Group ordered 50 of the new longest-range versions, adding to a spate of purchases that would limit room for Boeing's expected foray into mid-range flying. Paris Air Show, it's a big thing. It's like the Detroit Auto Show. Um, I don't think this is completely a slap at Boeing. But it shows you that there's a new kid on the block, and American Airlines is a big player in the industry as far as delivering passengers from point A to point B in flights. Um, this will give American Airlines new destinations that they can fly to in distances. It's kind of interesting. It's out there. Del Taco sold 2 million plant-based Beyond Meat tacos in less than two months. Now the chain is rolling out Beyond Burritos stuffed with French fries. Oh. I'm confused. How did this go from a Beyond Taco or Beyond Meat Taco to stuffing a burrito with french fries? The Beyond Meat Tacos were one of the most successful product launches in Del Taco's history. Um, doubling down. So their Beyond Meat Tacos are officially one of the best-selling products in chain's history, and they're basically saying, hey, plant-based tacos. Yeah. And that, again, that goes back to, have you seen Beyond Meat stock? Have you seen the unprecedented demand for the stock and suddenly unprecedented demand for meat? list me. Sometimes you really have to slow down and say that again. Um, so the Beyond 8-layer burrito includes Beyond Meat crumbles, bean guacamole, tomatoes, lettuce, cheese, red sauce, sour cream. And it's being stuffed with Del Taco's french fries alongside Beyond Meat crumbles. So it does have the meatless meat. Fast food's fascinating right now. And the investments that come out of it, like if you just take a look at McDonald's, you'll love the stock. You'll have an opinion on, is their coffee good or not? Did their foray into signature burgers work, or was it a massive failure? Have they figured out how to get their drive through time shorter? There's a lot to it's a question. There's a lot to say, you know, I am not my kids eating McDonald's french fries. And you take them to Del Taco, and they're eating french fry stuffed burritos. Ugh, you can't win, right? One area that you can win right now is Peloton. I've got a friend who's kind of full of himself. He's worth a lot of money, works for Uber. He's got two very bratty children. And he posts videos of him on Peloton. 
Now, I don't know if that's the right way of saying it. Or do you do you post videos of yourself on Peloton, or do you ride a Peloton, or is it a Peloton bike? I don't know. But Peloton has 74 global showrooms right now, and they're probably going to come public sooner rather than later. It gives you a chance to try out the internet-connected fitness bikes and treadmills. This is where it gets kind of interesting. Wait, wait. Internet-connected fitness in your home. At one point in time, we are just like, I'd like to get the internet in my home so I can use my computer. And you're like, I'd like to get Wi-Fi so I can use my phone as a computer and not pay the, the data services that Verizon charges. Now there's this big trend of internet-connected fitness equipment. You know, we, the internet can connect our TV to streaming. Got it. Did equipment? Sure. And everyone's copying them right now. Peloton has created kind of uh, envy. So new startups are building businesses around internet-connected in-home workout equipment, but they're finding that the key uh, to success isn't as easy as, as it looks. So you probably saw Best Buy earlier in this week say that they're going to start selling exercise equipment in 100 of its stores by the end of the year. People want this stuff. Now, the product that Best Buy is putting in isn't Peloton. It's it's kind of a knockoff of Peloton. It's someone who said, you know, hey, they're doing well, so we're going to come up with a, a rowing machine that's very similar and a bike that's very similar and it connects to the Internet. And then we're going to license music from Katy Perry. And people are going to exercise more at home. And they're going to say, woohoo, this is fantastic. Or we'll have some trainers that we can beam in videos. So they feel like they have a personal trainer pushing them and they don't have to go to a gym. Gym memberships are expensive. So Peloton is currently the largest and probably the most well-funded. You would almost call them the Facebook of social media. They're the Peloton of internet-connected fitness machines. Now, I never thought I was going to talk about this, but they've pulled in about $800 million in sales, and that's legit. As my friend would say, Mr. Hammer, too legit, too legit to quit. Um, and they're going to go public. They've, they've made it known. And they're currently in a patent infringement lawsuit with competitor Flywheel over their in-home bike. So there's some risk. But physical retail expansion is, remember Apple used to sell phones, and you'd get it, you'd go to Verizon to look at it, and then Apple's like, let's make stores. And you'd go to Apple stores, and let's make a Genius Bar. So if you had a problem, you, Genius Bar could fix it for you. So physical retail expansion is kind of, everything doesn't get Amazon. You can't try out Peloton on Amazon, right? You can't try out an Apple phone on, on Amazon. Maybe you can, I don't know. But 74 global showrooms, it's got customers trying out its internet-connected fitness bikes. It's opening up 100 more showrooms by the end of 2019. And take a look at the clock. That's sooner than later. Maybe it's take a look at the calendar, right? I'm not on my game today, but Peloton's raised a billion dollars in funding to date. They've got $800 million in sales. Um, they've got business models that they're trying to find inside their business. So there's other companies who are obviously saying, you know, we want to do this as well. Now, Peloton has it toughest, in my opinion, because they're the leader, and everyone can and will copy them. Um, Peloton did a lot of pioneering, and it's frankly a lot easier to explain when people can say, here's our business, and here's $800 million of sales. Now, Best Buy is going to carry the stationary bikes from Flywheel, and that's where it gets kind of interesting, because a cycling studio inside your Best Buy there's demand for these products, and they're expensive. So Flywheel started selling its own bikes in 2017, rowing machines from Hydrow, a brand that started on Indiegogo in 2017. It's raised $20 million from consumer brands. The products will be available for customers to demo for free in-store. Geek Squad employees will also be trained to help install the products at your home. I, like, I do like that about Geek Squad. I've always been intimidated to get a 
television mounted on a wall. So I've always put it on a stand of some sort. And the whole idea that Geek Squad would do the mounting for me, I kind of like that. So when Flywheel started selling its exercise bike in 2017, it had an advantage in that it already had a place where people could go try the physical products, you know, its workout studios. So it's kind of fun watching this battle. And it's going to be a battle, and they're going to come public. It's kind of an Uber and left. Flywheel versus Peloton. I'm telling you about it now so you can understand it later because it's going to happen when you're selling $1,000 machines and there's high demand for them and people need a space to try them out. Uh, Maybe I'll go to Best Buy as soon as the equipment gets there and start videotaping people and posting it online to see how goofy people look at a Best Buy trying out physical workout equipment. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Selena Gomez quit Instagram. I know you're saying, what's the story here? Well, Instagram's you know, Facebook. You get the idea. Probably one of the shrewdest investments that Zuckerberg ever did was getting in on that as soon as he could and just basically giving, throwing around billions to get it. And he did right. But Selena Gomez quitting Instagram and said, basically, it's not healthy for me to get on Instagram and see people hating me. I got on Yahoo 20 years ago. There used to be message boards on stocks. And there'd be, they had on the finance page, there'd be message boards. And I don't know if they're still there. Probably not. But um, there was message boards on like financial analysts and people would talk about me. And they would say horrible, horrible things. I'd show a girlfriend, and uh, I was about to move to California 20 years ago. And she's like, why do you want to go there? They, they, they hate you. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's just one person out of 1,000 or one person out of 100. And now it's probably 99 out of 100, right? But they were talking about like popping my eyes out and doing horrible things to me. You can't have an opinion without pissing someone off. Like, I have an opinion on Prop 13 that I don't think it's good overall for the state of California. I understand it. I benefit from it, but I don't think it's good overall for California. And some old 92-year-old guy will slam me, send an email to – he won't send an email. Oh, if he does send an email, it'll be like sam at AOL.com. It'll be an AOL address. And my bosses will read it, and they go like, what did you say about Prop 13 that pissed this 92-year-old guy off so much? And – Having opinions stinks because you get criticized for them. Selena Gomez, her crime to humanity is that she dated Justin Bieber and happens to be a a cute woman who wears lipstick well, who wears makeup well, and has the third most Instagram followers. So she gets online and she basically makes it nuts. I'm I'm quitting. She shut down her account. Um, Some of the things that we're doing on social media does have some interesting ramifications. You're seeing a GOP senator now talk about, like, if YouTube can't monitor their own content, we need to police YouTube as government. And we'll say, we'll we'll throw out some arbitrary number, like any company that has 30 million viewers or 30 million users, they need to make sure that, you know, bogus material doesn't get posted. Whether it could be, you know, uh, I got to be careful what I say, what I don't say. Uh, how about vaccinations? Whether it be about vaccinations or not about vaccinations, or whether it be about was Sandy Hook real or was it staged by actors, which has to be the most deplorable thought in the world. But there's videos of it on YouTube. 
So uh, Congressman GOP said, you know, we need to introduce the legislation. If they can't police themselves, then we need to break them up. Now, here's the problem with that. Again, it's 99 great posts on YouTube. I could work it on figuring out how to post the radio show instead of some people can't figure out podcasts, so I, I can put a radio show on YouTube, right? There's some really good content out there, and it kind of comes with the territory. There's going to be negative criticism. But at the same time, let's talk about children. Do they need to be lied to? Do they need to be manipulated? Let's talk about dumb people in Iowa or dumb people in your neighborhood. I'm not picking on Iowa. I'm really not. I have nothing against Iowa. Stockton, I got something against. Iowa, not so much. Um, do we need to be parents for these people? And I think on some levels, yeah. So we kind of need to make sure that we're going the right direction with all this. And Selena Gomez has it right. It's her decision. She doesn't want to be nitpicked. She doesn't want to be attacked. She doesn't want people saying nasty things about her. Um, so she quit. Now, this brings up Mark Zuckerberg. His rating as a CEO is plummeting. Um, Glassdoor is one of those websites that rates companies. And you can go to Glassdoor right now and say you work for ABC television. You can say, my boss at ABC, he's having an affair with a, with a, a dog. And they'll post it, whether it's true or not, right? Or you can say, they underpay me. So there's, there's a platform that's needed for that. But Glassdoor lets you talk about your CEO. And Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg standing with employees plunging. Uh, Glassdoor, which published its seventh annual top CEOs in 2019, they awarded VMware CEO Pat Gelsinger the number one spot, and they ranked Zuckerberg 55, down 39 spots. So he was number 16 in 2018. That's a massive plummet. Facebook, Facebook, I threw an R in there. I'm not having a stroke. But Facebook is adhered to a move-fast philosophy, emphasizing speed. And sometimes when you do that, move fast and break things, you piss off employees. Due to recent scandals that he said he didn't know about, then he said he did know about. I heard that during a big flood, he put on his virtual reality goggles and went to the flood, and it's like, look, look, people, it's it's horrible. Look at the devastation. That's probably a little insensitive. He's a kid, all things considered. Um, Facebook is going to give three billion to five billion dollars to the FTC for privacy lapses, and it means nothing. They could write it off, and their stock goes higher. So how do you police these guys without punishing the users? Uh, I don't want to see your fat babies. I don't want to see your vacation pictures that show how happy you truly are. I don't want to hear how blissful your thoughts are that you got a divorce and got $8 million and you're hanging out in Mexico. And I wish I could figure out how to move my company to Mexico, Tanya. Um, I find Facebook to be pretty vapid. But some people really connect with it. I put some business information there, for sure. I put, you know, um, video clips from my television spots there for sure. I get it. I, but also I get the take it or leave it attitude. I don't really need to look at people's lives. But let's say if there's an artist I like, Shaq, Josh Agle, I could find it there. So now the big question is, how is the market and how is Wall Street and how are regulators going to take to crypto and Facebook? You know, um, yesterday, Mark Zuckerberg did announce it. Because basically, Mark Zuckerberg is media cancer right now. And what I mean by that, well, keep in mind, Trump's going to cure cancer in his next term. We got that to look forward to, which is nice. It's kind of like the Dalai Lama giving us you know, eternal life, which is nice, as Bill Murray once said. Um, the Lama, the Lama said to me, so, bugla, mugla, bugla. 
Um, payment companies like Visa, PayPal, MasterCard, Stripe, PayU, all said, we're buying into this Libra ecosystem, this, eco, uh, this cryptocurrency. And there does seem to be a demand for it. Wouldn't it be nice if you lived in a country where if you had a dictator, he couldn't take your money or he couldn't devalue it? Or he couldn't print more of it and put it in his bank account. Sure. Then you get tech companies like eBay, Uber, Facebook, Mercado, Spotify, Lyft, Farfetch, Booking Holdings, all saying, we want, we'll want, we support this. Then some telecom companies said, we, we want this cryptocurrency called Libra. Vodafone, Iliad, venture capital firms are in. Blockchain companies like Coinbase, Anchorage, Zappo, Bison Trails, all in. It's a pretty impressive slew of companies, of partners. What we know is that Libra won't be launched until the first half of 2020, and it'll be pegged to a basket of global currencies and short-term government securities. Pegging the crypto in this way is meant to reduce the volatility that's resulted in wild price swings for other cryptos. So it seems to be kind of a grown-up idea. The Libra blockchain is designed to handle more than 1,000 transactions per second, significantly higher than the seven that Bitcoin blockchain technology manages at this point in time. It's still well short of 1,700 transactions that Visa averages per second. 1,700 transactions per second. Wow. So Libra is going to be run by the Libra Association. So Facebook's saying, it's not going to be our company. How are we going to benefit? We're going to set up a wallet so that Facebook members around the world, and there's billions of them, can have a wallet to keep their money in. And if they go from country to country, or let's say they're in Ethiopia and they're a tribe of Ethiopians. I know you're saying, have you ever been to Ethiopia? There's people there. Well, let's just say there's a tribe in Ethiopia. Let's just be cliche and act like we're ignorant Americans that don't know anything about uh, uh, world countries. Let's say there's a tribe that makes necklaces and they want to sell necklaces. And I don't, I don't know what Ethiopian currency is and they don't know what U.S. dollar is and they could be giving me fake money and I want to know. So suddenly it's a way for to bank in areas that don't have a lot of access to bank. So companies like Visa, MasterCard, Lyft, and Uber, they're expected to commit about $10 million to the project trying to get it kind of up and going. Think about this. You wouldn't have currency devaluations. You wouldn't have uh, currency fluctuations. President Trump now is going after the EU for basically devaluing their currency. Like, oh, it's, instead of saying trade war, he's saying, you know, currency devaluer. We could do that too. So Facebook plans to profit from the project by setting up a substory called Calibra, which will release a wallet app for Libra. The app will enable Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp users to buy, sell, and transfer Libra to other users. I kind of like the name Libra, except for it sounds too much like a Cuba Libra. And this is what analysts are saying, what Jeff Bezos did with Amazon Web Services. They're saying Mark Zuckerberg's doing for Facebook, and it's to be big. So Facebook's looking to diversify its revenue streams beyond advertising. So are they a click page or are they a financial transaction page where they get a piece of the action? The firm could generate as much as $19 billion from the project by 2021, so says Barclays. That's a lot of do-re-me. So I'm positive on the stock of Facebook because I think their platform is very, very profitable, and the valuation of the company is very, very cheap. So as an advertising company, they're, they're, do- they're kicking it. I don't like the company. I don't like Philip Morris. But you, when you look at their financials, you might like it or you might not like it. Now, what Facebook's adding with this... I think it's pretty interesting, and I think it's an outperformed stock right now because of it, except for government regulation. It's the thing you have to look at. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Thanks for listening to the show. I do 
honestly appreciate it. And some days I'm not feeling my best. Some days I'm fighting with my loved one. Some days I'm just not here, but I still get here and I still do my best for you. Today is one of those days. I've never talked about exercise equipment. I think it's important that we do. A producer was saying, is there kind of an exercise equipment fund? And it brought up the question. There's now a fund out there for something that's called the humanization of pets. So yeah, I think there will be a, you know, a healthier, a millennial healthier living fund where they want a Peloton. So that'll be in the fund. They want to eat meatless meat, so they'll throw Beyond Meat in. Um, you can learn more about ETFs, uh, googling ETF.com. You could probably get on TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, um, Fidelity, Vanguard websites and learn more about them. There's a decent website, although there's too many amateurs on it, called Investopedia. Uh, that has a lot of information about investing in Wall Street. I like Barron's. I like the Wall Street Journal. Also, I like making yourself give you some time. I've always liked the work of Rick Edelman, although some of his, as he's aged, it's less impressive to me. Speaking of aging, and I kind of consider a Rick Edelman kind of like a Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins is, he's getting just smeared hard. And I, I don't know if it's true or false, but when you have 20 plus women say that, you know, he sexually harassed us, I tend to believe them. Um, but he's also getting some, you know, some of his tactics. He does a thing where it's kind of an interesting read if you go to BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed seems to have a thing against him. And I, I hate Tony Robbins. I think if you need a guru and you have to pay $400,000, $4,000 to be inspired, I think you got a problem. But one of the things Tony Robbins does at his seminars, and he needs to cut it out, is, I mean, he needs to focus on his own life and his wife at this point in time instead of doing seminars. But on Facebook, it's hilarious because I'll go onto the Facebook Tony Robbins pages and I'll just say, I'll say, hey, you should, everyone's like, hey, you could go to the event this weekend. You could go there. I'm like, you should read this BuzzFeed article on him. It doesn't sound like he's not a good guy. The newest one has, he tries to get to separate his groups, his crowd into two, two sets. And uh, I've been next to one of his events and they're obnoxious. Plays like rock and roll music as he's introed, has everyone clap for him. And then a video of him comes on, not even him. But one of the things he's doing at his seminar right now is he's splitting the groups in two halves and like, let's see who's more productive. And he'll designate a winner and a loser. And he'll take the captains from the losers who bring them up in the front and he shames them. And he makes them drink a brown liquid that has heavy implications that it's got a diuretic or a laxative in it. That's not cool. That's not motivating people. That's intimidating people. But that's your guru. Got it. Can't you tell? I'm not a big guru fan because I can't afford a guru. Who's going to save my soul? Harley Davidson just revealed the most important. Oh, by the way, on Facebook, I get messages from Tony Robbins. Even though I post on Facebook that I like, I dislike him. And I kind of take a shot at the group trying to warn them, don't waste your money. So he sends me emails. That's <laughs> like, hey, you want to learn how to make a million dollars? And I'm like, you're just mass marketing, dude. You don't even know, right? Anyway, Harley Davidson just revealed the most important new motorcycle in history. Is it electric? No. Is it able to fly? No. Is it making this just beautiful hog of a noise? No. Harley Davidson, the most iconic American motorcycle manufacturer, has been generating buzz with its live wire electric bike. But that's not the big uh, notice. The big notice is that it's going to be built in Quinjiang. Quinjiang. I wish I could. It's all about China. 
ancient Chinese secret is Harley Davidson is an American company that makes American product that import exports American product around the world. Nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. But Harley wants the Asian buyers. And one way to get to them is to manufacture in their hometowns. Um, Harley still posts large profits on hulking bikes. There's no doubt about it. I once went to, and please forgive me, I once went to Aruba with a girlfriend probably 23 years ago. And now you're saying, isn't Aruba kind of a trashy island? It kind of is. I've been to St. Bart's. Awesome. But Aruba, not so nice. And uh, just got off our flight, so we, we roll into a bar and get a drink, kind of settle in, kind of, you know, ah, vacation, cheers, kind of thing. And it's probably 11 o'clock at night. And next thing I know, like 25 Harley Davidsons pull up into the bar. It's a biker bar, and it's kind of awesome to hear 25 Harley Davidson rah, 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 in an outdoor kind of bar. It's just super noisy. I was like, wow, that's what Harley Davidsons are all about. At a Honda Nighthawk 650 in college because I didn't want to deal with parking. So I got a motorcycle to, so I didn't have to deal with parking. Think about that for a second. How practical am I? Popeyes, speaking of practical, you're going to love this. And again, fast food rocks the world. They're going to start selling... A six foot ten box of chicken for seventy five dollars. Is that story true or false? Do you think? Am I making that up? Well, it's true. They're trying to celebrate number one draft pick Zion Williamson, who's six foot tall and ten inches. So they're going to do a six foot ten box of chicken for seventy four dollars and sixty nine cents. I don't know what that's all about. Someone once told me that like Williams Sonoma Pottery Barn, if it ends in ninety nine cents, like if it's eight hundred dollars and ninety nine cents, it never goes on sales. If it ends in 79 cents, it goes on 20%. And if it ends at like 49, it goes on 50% off. I didn't know that. So Popeye's is celebrating the NBA draft with a box of chicken. I'll say this. The NBA makes a lot of money, as does the NFL. A lot of speculation. But do we need a 6-foot, 10-inch box of chicken? 77 boneless wings, 11 biscuits, 11 servings of fries. It's going to be while supplies last. And I'm talking about it. That's beautiful marketing. That's unbelievable. You know who does that really well, too, is Burger King. Sometimes Wendy's, but Burger King is like, we're going to come up with a hot sriracha burger that blasts your, your urine to the color of purple. I'm like, do we need that? And the answer is they need free press. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.